we are not going to re-record any of that. It's just going to suddenly switch to slightly better quality sound in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> inexplicably. Inexplicably. Let them be glad about it. Yeah. They'll simply have to be glad about it. <laughs> Poetry, the podcast where we try to understand poetry. I'm Yuki. She's Koya. How you doing? Me? I'm living the dream. How are you doing? Good. I had my breakfast. I got my coffee. I'm feeling good. I'm ready. I feel really good today. Yeah? Yeah, I feel really good. I woke up and I didn't feel like quite so near death as usual. Mm. And I was like, okay. Are mornings the worst usually? No, no. Mornings are fine. I can do everything I need to do. I just feel terrible when I do it. How are you feeling? What's worse for you? Are mornings worse for you? Oh, I hate the morning. You do? I hate the morning. It's the worst. I was not expecting such visceral disdain. No, I don't like it. For the morning. Like when people are like, oh, do you want to have like a 9 a.m.? And I'm like, if you don't want to get anything done, sure. No, I do not like the morning at all. Is this the morning for you? This is, uh, yeah. I mean, like once you round 10, you know, like I still don't feel like doing stuff, but other people, it's like hard to explain to other people that you don't really feel like doing stuff when it's like, you know, 1030 in the morning. So I got to do it for society reasons, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you had your druthers, I would not would do not. anything work-wise before noon. Like I can do other productive things. Like I can make yogurt or I can empty mm-hmm. the dishwasher, you know, like I can do a task, but I just mm-hmm. don't ask me to do anything like cognitively anything mm. or like put on a happy face. Mm-mm. That's yeah. That's pretty brutal. End of banter. Should banter. we talk about the poem? <laughs> yeah. So tell tell me why why you like this poem and how it came to you. Okay. This poem came to me very recently. And you know what? I'm using the wrong headphones. I sure am. All right. Okay. So I was um, I saw this exhibition of the artist uh, Jeffrey Gibson, who is a native artist who. So he he brings in a lot of like indigenous aesthetics as well as like like drag and other kinds of just colorfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you would really like, you would really like this exhibition. Yeah. The exhibition is called the body electric. Um, And so he uses a lot of like um, it's, it's a, it's like a multimedia artist, but there was a video installation that was titled to feel myself beloved on the earth. Do you say beloved or beloved? I was switching back and forth. I'm going to say beloved because that's how that's actually how I read it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say beloved to feel myself beloved on the earth. And this was a video installation that he made in 2020 during the pandemic to kind of explore the kind of anxiety that was coming up around the pandemic and the you know fear of death and the fear of instability and all that kind of stuff. Basically, he wanted to make this work that kind of saw people grounding back into something that was like life affirming. And so it's like, people out in um, 
there's like a lot of different scenes, but like one person who's like kind of wandering around the earth and, you, you know, so um, there, there was a lot more to it than that. <laughs> Making it sound not that interesting. But so I'm, I was, I'm just going to read the little thing. Feel myself beloved on the earth 2020 drawing its title from an excerpt of Raymond Carver's poem late fragment. Gibson poetically marks a tumultuous moment in world history and focuses on the joy of simply continuing to survive amid challenging times. Created in 2020, Gibson's video unpacks feelings of anxiety, fear, and national reckoning, as well as the grounding effect of working in nature experienced by the artists and many of his contemporaries. Obliquely referencing widespread and ongoing activism, advocating for Black, transgender, queer, women's, and Indigenous rights, the numerous unique individuals presented in the film are united by their brilliant red garments. So all of the, the figures in the film were kind of threaded together by wearing these garments. And then um, Jeffrey Gibson had created these drums out of like, I think it was like old paint something, but they were decorated really beautifully. There's also this, this like um, performer who was like voguing, like in the middle of some like random industrial looking building. And it was interesting. I mean, I, I liked the idea of exploring, you know, like what is like anchoring you to life when everything, like everything, you know, completely falls apart. I mean, for me, that was like, I kind of missed out on the pandemic anxiety because that's when my health stuff started. So I like, mm -hmm. you know, I was experiencing anxiety for another reason. But those moments are when you you like you have to have something larger than yourself that you're grounding into. Yeah. And and um there was something about like this figure, this person voguing, because it was like ballroom and like that culture is like so fun. But like in the film, it was there was something about it that was that had like a lot of gravitas and was like very serious. And it was sort of like, you know, these things that are fun and can be um, you know, just like a good time or, you know, whatever, to distract from the drudgery, you know, the slog of life or whatever, can is actually like holds a lot, you know, within it. Um and can be, and in fact maybe must be, you know, for queer people or for people who are like involved in that culture. Like like it must be something that is um grounding and life affirming as well. Yeah. More than just like fun and art. It's like Yeah. Yeah. Um well and well that fun and art is one and the same as that which is like profound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I looked up the poem when I was like sitting in front of when I was watching the video and it was a great poem. <laughs> I had never heard of it before. Um so yeah, so the the title of the film is taken from this Raymond Carver poem and I think I want to say that very briefly I saw that this was the last poem that he wrote. I'll be interested mm -hmm. to, to hear your background on him. But so I guess all of that to say I I was interested in this poem because I mean, I came across it because of this this exhibition, but I liked it because of it because it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I liked it. I mean, I I think I've said this before, but I love art that is that is able to speak to like the whole of things and not mm -hmm. just like you know, it's not just like he, these are all the positive parts, these are all the negative right. parts, you know. Right, and, like, right, but, right. like this is like it, it is talking about a kind of experience that is just so gorgeous, and I I yeah, I love that. Had you heard of Raymond Carver, the person, before? I so I don't, not really. I the name. I'm sure I've come across the name because it sounded kind of familiar, but it yeah. could just be that Raymond Carver sounds like the name of a guy, right? <laughs> like sounds like the name of a writer. So I not in any real way. No, mm -hmm. 
yeah i i i felt the same way i was like maybe i've heard of this person um but i'd certainly never heard of this poem before mm-hmm. um but when i was doing the research i read some of his short stories mm. and love i love short stories you know i love i didn't realize. I, I yeah i didn't realize this before but i think the thing that i like about a lot of short stories is that they are very like even though it's a prose form something it shares with poetry is like a very heavy reliance on like vibes you know it's like what is the vibe that this is giving you is it trying to unsettle you is it trying to you know make you question or you know like it just gives you like a warm fuzzy feeling and you can't quite articulate why because it's so short like there's not a lot of detail where it's like just just enough detail to give you the vibe um so yeah I was it was really great to like read some of his short stories we should we start a sister podcast called About short, short story try mm. we gotta workshop the name yeah 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 um but yeah i also <laughs> i i did like this poem a lot i think it it does um capture a lot of a lot of things and it like in the the vibe of a short story it's kind of like it, it feels like it's a conversation like a piece of a conversation that's like overheard um so it's like kind of plucked out of context and so you have to guess a little bit at the context and maybe depending on what your own story is you get to fill in the context with your own stuff <laughs> yeah 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 the title is super appropriate i mean it makes sense in the context of what i know of his life but then also just i mean this is really i mean it is like a fragment of something where mm-hmm. you're like yeah, you're filling in the context for yourself and trying to figure out what exactly it applies to. Yeah. You want to read? Yeah, let me read the the bio. Yeah. So today we're reading Late Fragment by Raymond Carver. Late Fragment comes from the 1989 poetry collection, A New Path to the Waterfall, which was the last book that Carver wrote. Late Fragment is also one of two poems that are etched on Carver's tombstone. Raymond Carver was an American short story writer and poet. He was born in 1938 in Oregon to a working class family. When he was 17, he met his first wife, Marianne Burke, who was then 14 years old. Two years later, they were married and expecting their first of two children. As a teenager, he'd taken a correspondence course on the art of writing short stories, and he continued in his study of creative writing at Chico State College. He was accepted to the Iowa Writers' Workshop in 1963 on a fellowship, but dropped out before completing his degree. He received his first mainstream recognition as a writer in 1967 with the publication of his short story, Will You Please Be Quiet, Please? And he cultivated a circle of literary friends. For much of their 25-year marriage, Marianne Burke was the breadwinner for their family, giving Ray the time and space to focus on his writing. She wrote that the biggest plan in our lives was for Ray to become a first-rate, world-class writer. However, the next decade of his life was extremely rocky, marked by his alcoholism, his emotionally and physically abusive relationship towards his wife, financial woes, and his unstable work life. Carver seemed to draw inspiration from the pain that circled him in those days. Peter S. Prescott wrote that Carver's stories deal with the collapse of human relationships. Some of his stories take place at the moment things fall apart. Others, after the damage has been done, 
while the shockwaves still reverberate. During this turbulent time, what Carver himself calls his bad Raymond days, he met Gordon Lish, who served as Carver's editor and who helped him to get published, but who is also villainized as controlling, even usurping, of Carver's work to suit his own more minimalist style. In 1977, Carver was able to successfully quit drinking, and later that year, he met the poet Tess Gallagher, whom he later married. Of this relationship, Gallagher writes, Ray was coming back from a death, really. He was a Lazarus. He was so bright and so looking forward to the day, every day, and I fell in love with that, too, I think. That here's somebody who loved life and didn't want to live back in the rubble of past lives that had failed. Carver was a recipient of numerous awards and is considered one of the most influential American short story writers. He was nominated for the National Book Award for his 1977 collection, Will You Please Be Quiet, Please? He received the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction for his 1984 collection, Cathedral. He won five O. Henry Awards and was inducted into the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Several of his short stories have been adapted into film, including Birdman, which won the 2015 Oscar for Best Picture. Carver died in 1988 from lung cancer at the age of 50. Late Fragment by Raymond Carver And did you get what you wanted from this life, even so? I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved. To feel myself beloved on the earth. That's how I know him. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. That's okay, so, so I have heard of him before. <laughs> well, I haven't watched Birdman. I, uh, I haven't either, but I that's definitely where I heard his name. Okay. Mm. So you do switch back and forth between I beloved do. and beloved. I asked myself, I was like, what do I want to do? You know, like, because I mean, you can, it's perfectly fine to read them both ways. Um, but I was thinking about the difference in my mind of beloved and beloved. Um and like beloved is what I would say to someone like sweetie or honey, like, oh, my beloved. Um, but beloved is more like, is it a verb? You are beloved. What is that? Is that an adjective? <laughs> my beloved yeah. something. Yeah. It's an or adjective. a noun. Oh, yeah. If it's a noun, I think in my mind, if it's a noun, it's beloved. You are my beloved. Ah. Yeah. But when I when I think beloved, it's an adjective. I liked it. Mm, thank you. You know, the, the, the biggest difference? Mm. Um, what did you say? And did you get what you wanted from this life even so? I did. That's how you read it. Uh, I read it as, and did you get what you wanted from this life even so? I did. Oh. <laughs> that's so different. It is so different. It's like, I don't know about you bitches, but I did. <laughs> oh (laughs) yeah Yeah. i like my i like my reading better (laughs) well feels a lot less selfish yeah mine mine is i mean i'm injecting a lot of selfishness into that but i don't think it's really (laughs) is really there i mean i um the i yeah i definitely emphasize the the i Mm -hmm. which i mean i like you know it's more that like i managed to do it 
like oh when other people wouldn't have managed given the circumstances no, when when it wasn't clear that I was going to manage to do it like I, mm. I did actually mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's not so bad it's not as selfish as I thought upon no I <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the reason that I read it the way like I did is I like I feel like there's the the picture that I'm imagining in this poem is that there's some like back and forth conversation that's happening before this mm-hmm. where the poet's kind of considering you know like oh you know what has happened in my life and like the even so that part was like really confusing to me on first reading it but it's like um what that says to me is like even though xyz has happened did you get what you wanted from this life and so there's like this pause of like considering and then he's like yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, that even so is doing a lot of work. Yes. There. And it, do- it does make it seem like it's a continuation. For- it is a fragment of a converse- of a larger conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even with all of the trials and tribulations and the ups and downs, did you get what you wanted from this life? And that and that's why, I mean, it's, I think that's the exact same reason why I'm reading it the way I'm reading it, which is that yeah. like that it wasn't clear that he was going to be able to do it. Yeah. In any case. Yeah. Um, I did when I when I looked at this poem, I did look up a little bit about him. And I so I remembered that he was an alcoholic and had I mean, that really does alter your perception of what's possible. Mm. And so I don't remember if I read it, if like the very first time I read it that way or after I read a little bit about his background, I read it that way. I don't remember. But it probably is like sort of, you know, like, wow, I did, you know, Mm -hmm. like even after all that, you know? Yeah. So that's how I'm, how I'm reading it. Yeah. I think the thing that I was wondering, you know, like that, that even so is really interesting, you know, and I wonder what it was that came before in the conversation, you know, like, I think that when I read the line and did you get what you wanted from this life, even so, what I imagine from the earlier part of the conversation is that they're talking about all of these things that maybe to another person would describe a life that was unsuccessful or unfulfilled. And so I'm like, find myself wondering, you know, what it was in the earlier part of the conversation that he kind of pointed to, you know, like, was it the alcoholism or was it his first marriage, which sounded pretty rocky, um, or his relationship with his children, or, you know, like, I wonder what it was that he pointed to and what it also is that he's pointing to in the last lines of the poem to call myself beloved to feel myself beloved on the earth like what are the things in his life that point to that kind of success um kind of knowing a little bit about his history yeah what you were saying about it pointing to a a life that that is like unfulfilled or um i don't remember the other word you said but that that is definitely where it feels like this is coming from where like the the the, the fragment of conversation is lifted from i mean it's impressive on some level to have experienced a lot of like pain and suffering and and still make the choice to to celebrate the life that you you've had yeah and so i think that's probably the the crux of what i like about it i like i like that that there's a choice presented in the poem and that and that he's he's choosing something mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there is a part of me after hearing the background that you read that is a little bit like, mm, must be nice to have 
you know, had this experience, like so much of what you got, it seems like, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say too much because I, I, all I have is this background, which is not, you know, I don't know that much about his life and I don't want to presume too much. What's your feeling from the bio that I read? I mean, give it. Well, let me, the, yeah. well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, what was it that you read? The biggest plan in our lives was for Ray to become a first rate world-class writer, yeah. says the wife that he was abusing yeah. physically and emotionally. You know, there, there was like, uh, I know, I, you know, yes. like, ugh. <laughs> I do not like Raymond Carver. Like this yeah. poem was like so humanizing. Because from what I read about Raymond Carver, I do not like him. I don't he like him sounds, at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, I don't know if I would have still chosen this poem, to be honest with you, to read. If you know about him. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually glad that I didn't know because um, I'm I'm ambivalent about the the that sort of separating the artist from the art conversation. I'm, I'm oh yeah. Um, very much of kind of two minds about it in general i lean towards it's not really possible um i think in this case it isn't necessary um because i think that like the art is the artist like there, there's no need to separate because yeah it's, this it's, is about his life i think it's about yeah it's about his life um i mean i, I believe very much in in people's capacity for change and, and i also like firmly understand the corrupting power of addiction you know yeah like, yeah i think that bad raymond was like partly a product of his time you know it's like a very even i should say it was an even more misogynistic time when women had a lot less power over their futures i guess to my point when you read that line from marianne burke you know saying that their whole life revolved around like him becoming a writer you know like i had to suppress like such a powerful urge to just roll my eyes so hard they would have fallen out of my face because on the one hand we we did get this poem you know and i'm sure other work of his that's you know Mm -hmm. equally incredible but on the other hand did we need it that badly (laughs) that you know to to, that to cause all the suffering that he that he caused to himself and to his wife and yeah the other thing is like you know this poem has raymond carver's name on it you know it doesn't have marianne burke's name on it and reading a little bit again i don't know like too much about either of their lives but just from what i read you know like she was the one like they both were interested in literature i think that's part of what kind of drew them towards each other but there was one thing that i read that like you know she was the one who introduced him to you know all of these like great writers and she bought him his first typewriter and Mm -hmm. you know she she was like always playing this supportive role but I also wonder like if she hadn't become a mother at 16 you know if she hadn't had to support Raymond Carver if she had been born in a different time like would we be reading her poetry right now because you know she she was a writer she wrote a memoir but tellingly it was about her life with Raymond Carver right you know so There, there's just like so much that I'm just like, I, I feel very conflicted, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm glad to have this glimpse into Raymond Carver, you know, of this person yeah. who was himself broken and probably broke a lot of other relationships, but yeah. was able to find some redemption in the end, um, especially with, you know, his second wife, which seems like a much healthier relationship. Right. So your point about 
Marianne Burke, I think that's kind of the point that I that I was trying to make, which is like when I say, oh, it must be nice. When I yeah. when I read this knowing the background, it's like, well, you got what you wanted. And I, you know, I don't have any issue with that, but I but did everyone around you get what they wanted? You yeah, know, is, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um and I don't know. I, you know, I just learned about this <laughs> not 20 minutes ago. So um well- the other thing is like, you know, we were talking about how this is like a snippet of a conversation, right? And like, we have to assume that what he was talking about before were all of the kind of broken relationships and, you know, bad things that he'd done or, you know, bad things that had happened to him. And there's power in this just being like a snippet of a conversation, but also there's this lack of acknowledgement that bothers me a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you should acknowledge the pain that you caused and not just land in this good place, even though like landing in the good place is like hinting at it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think you should be explicit. And so, yeah, so that's, that's what, that's why I was tiptoeing so hard around this initially is because like, I just, I don't know enough of his work to know if like whether or not he did or, or he didn't. Oh, right. That's true. That's a good point. I bet he didn't, (laughs) but (laughs) I just, I don't know. Yeah. Um. But that that's that is like that ending. You know, when he is either asking himself or is being asked by someone, and what did you want to call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth? Even when I read it, which is, I mean, that is so. Like I said earlier, I mean, gorgeous is really like the best word. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's it's it really speaks to that, regardless of whatever deep pain or suffering you have experienced ultimately this is the thing that matters however even when i read it the first time i was thinking well he did not acknowledge the flip side of that which is well i can't say what he wants this is what he wanted but for me you also must love i mean that's that's it is not just about receiving love it's about loving others you know Uh. there is a way in which this is like approaching a certain kind of wholeness that i think is crucial to lived experience you know like i was saying earlier about not paying only attention to the good or the bad but that part about doing the loving really is like after reading that background it's like that 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 kind of stray thought that i had is like really coming out like yeah i do want that i do want to call myself beloved to feel myself beloved on the earth and i want to do the loving as well Mm. um doesn't change the way I see the poem. I mean, or it doesn't change what I find generative about the poem. It actually kind of enhances that, you know, knowing that he like knowing specifically what he was struggling with. But it does bring into the foreground like what I think might be a bit missing from mm-hmm. it. Is that kind of how you would end the poem? Like if you were the writer and someone asked you, did you get what you wanted from this life? Um it makes me think of the uh, Nat King's Nat King Cole song uh, called Nature Boy. Do you know this song? Yeah, it was in like Moulin Rouge. Oh, I don't know. I never saw that movie. Oh, okay, but it's the last the last line. the The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and so if I were to, I would never add anything to this poem. I mean, it's so arrogant <laughs> to just be like, "Well, here's what you missed." Raymond Carver was, you know. But if I were if I were to write something about well actually i don't know because i've never i've also never had the experience of being on my deathbed and maybe once i'm on my deathbed i'd be like you know what really mattered was all the love i got 
Mm. <laughs> everything that came to me, everything that everyone did for me. Because it's not like, I don't think it's selfish to be appreciative of what it is that you've been given. It's just like, I think I should maybe not talk about it in terms of what's missing. I think I should retract what I said earlier. This is well, one perspective. Yeah. I, and so I, I think I was just asking like um, a very personal question, which is like, you know, what is it that you want from this life? Oh, so I mentioned Nature Boy because it, it's, it, it has the whole piece of loving and, and being loved. But if you were asking me this on my deathbed, I would say that I wanted to experience, you know, I wanted the experience I wanted and I wanted the full range of experience, mm. you know, and I would be able to answer if I, you know, that I did get what I wanted for sure. What about you? I've been thinking about like eulogies a lot recently because this guy's dad's memorial is coming up soon. And it made me think about like, you know, like when you're eulogized, people generally share like the most telling thing about you or like the most poignant thing about you. Right. And I'm like, what is the most poignant thing about me? You know, like, would I agree with what people are saying at a eulogy? Yeah, it's hard. I, even though I asked you that question, I'm not entirely sure how I would answer it. Well, I guess to, to my point earlier about separating the art from the artist and about that not being necessary in this case, it, it, um, no, I already said that. I don't need to say it again. I don't need to rephrase that. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling uneasy about the critique I made about something being missing from that equation because I don't think I would have mm. made that critique had I had you not read that read that bio bio yeah. yeah I think I would probably just focus more even though I did have that thought I think I would focus more on someone I mean because I mean he is being grateful right you know and um he's being grateful but there <laughs> I guess I just after hearing that background I just I want some accountability in the poem yeah <laughs> I'm not hearing that but, um, you know, it's not nothing to be grateful for what people are giving you. Yeah. No. Yeah. The other thing it makes me think of is like, you know, all of the really difficult people in our lives, you know, like there's something that they're yearning for. And like when you're living your life with that difficult person, it's hard to feel any kind of sympathy or empathy for them because they're making your life miserable. Mm -hmm. um, but I really liked, I like the humanizing aspect of this poem. Yeah. You know, there's this person who has clearly been a villain, <laughs> and a mm -hmm. menace mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. at least some people in his life. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, you know, something that he very deeply wanted. And sometimes it's hard to see that beneath all of the yucky stuff that hits you in the face first you know yeah i mean i mean that's that's certainly true i mean i think in in this particular case it isn't that you know when i have had experiences with difficult people who were making my life or who were like you know just creating more obstacles i never had trouble empathizing with them because it is so like once you figure out that hurt people hurt people mm. that you know like you you're never you're never like lacking for people's motivation ever again. Like, it's like, oh, okay. Like yeah. this is about them. I mean, it, is, it doesn't necessarily translate, you know, all the time into like not taking something personally, but like it's, it's, I'm, I don't have trouble empathizing, but I do, this is humanizing to me in a, maybe a slightly different way 
um, and that I'm not sure I'll be able to articulate. I think it's just something about like this, like the the inner monologue that is humanizing of, of a person who is struggling, and like that. <laughs> I think that's what it is. So the, the when I when I have experienced, you know, people who are very difficult or or had like issues with addiction or something like that, and I knew why they were behaving the way they were behaving, they didn't seem to know. Like they were not a, you know, like it, it's like it's that this kind of horrible <laughs> experience of like being like, hey, are you okay? It seems like this is happening. They'd be like, that's not happening. It's just, you know, it's it's your problem. You know, mm-hmm. you're the one who's making everything. You know, and so there is something about you know, which, which I think, um, a lot of people who are in recovery come to of just like, oh, like I was the asshole, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it wasn't every, it wasn't every single other person around me. It was me. And, you know, the, <laughs> the you know, the fact if he's, if he is, you know, learned enough to call himself bad Raymond, which is like, <laughs> just like, I don't know. I got all kinds of thoughts on that, but, um, there's something about being given the space to enter his inner monologue around, the fact that he knows, you know, mm-hmm. that, that like something was wrong. We don't, we still, there is a sort of like, there isn't an accountability necess- in, in this poem necessarily, but there, there was something about just that kind of acknowledgement, mm-hmm. you know, that like maybe things could have been different or could have been better, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, you wouldn't need that even so on the end of that sentence, you know, Mm-hmm. So, something something like that there's there's something about that that's I, I think i'm seeing it as humanizing in a slightly different way because like people's motivation for why they do terrible things doesn't matter <laughs> like it never matters i mean if it mattered then we would all just have to be hostage to how people treat us because like oh well this person has experienced this bad thing so you know i just gotta mm-hmm. kind of let it slide you know um their motivations don't matter like it just matters what what they're doing and 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 then, like we were talking about before, like the moment after, you know, when they choose to take accountability or not. And it sounds to me like he, you know, in the, the last 10 years of his life, when he got sober, like he was, he was doing something. Yeah. You know, he was certainly taking account of something. So, I mean, it is, it is like helpful to enter into someone else's inner life in that way, who is, who is struggling so profoundly or has struggled so profoundly and, and maybe come out the other side of it. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the title, Late Fragment? I think the title is good. Um, I well, so <laughs> <laughs> I think we've we've talked about you know the idea of this as a fragment of a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just like the brevity of it is just like the fragment of a poem. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, there's probably lots of ways in which a fragment applies to this. Um, and I, the late as I mean, if this is the last poem he ever wrote, you know, that is quite late. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> You know, it's but it, it got there. <laughs> yeah, got there in the um, end. Yeah, I mean, the idea that this is you know this is carved on his tombstone. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have anything interesting to say about. It. I mean, other than like it's a great thing to have carved on a tombstone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good way to go out. Yeah. If this is if this is your last fragment, that's pretty good. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Part of the the late. I'm wondering if it's like it's come late in his life, or if it's like. This was a bit too late, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like I I wish that, you know, maybe some of these realizations or I can't help but feel like before this part of the, the conversation, there was like a divesting of like, oh, I did all of this stuff, you know, yeah. and 
I didn't find all of this success. And Gordon Lish was like, so, you know, he cut out all of my poetry and replaced it with his <laughs> own words and blah, you know, mm. just like offloading all of this stuff. But like the the realization that comes at the end, like if it had come a little bit earlier, you know, yeah. how different would his life have been? Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I and I I kind of hope that is what it is, because that, you know, I don't think you should, you know, your life should not be ruled by like should haves and I, oh, I could have done this. And, but, you know, it's good to have a little taste of regret. Just a little bit, you know, that's just a little bit like, oh, dang. OK, well, I know that now you know yeah and and um, he's teaching us and it, yeah exactly and then yeah exactly and then and then you get to to pass that on to someone like here's what i missed yeah Maybe this will help you um yeah. and i do think that this would be helpful you know to someone i was just gonna say i wonder what his life would have been like if he'd lived longer because he died very very young he was like um, 50 right yeah so not yeah. very very young but he died yeah. he died younger than he should have and i feel like he'd started this second life where he was kind of committing himself to yeah you know a different a different kind of raymond yeah um, and i wonder what the good raymond days would have been like yeah do you have a final thought if you want to go first what's your final thought my final thought is that whether or not he was able to you know make amends with the people that he needed to make amends with you know there's something you know there's just like a part of me that just kind of hopes that for him and for the, the people in his life. And I don't know enough about his life to, to say anything else, but it has this sort of like deathbed conversion quality to it. Yeah. That is, I mean, people kind of dismiss that as being insincere. Cause it's like, Oh, well now you don't have to do anything. But I really actually quite like the idea that, you know, even at the last second, you know, there's still, there's still time to atone and to to live life on life's terms rather than trying to force your own agenda and i don't get the sense that like like it seemed to me it, it, based on what you read it seemed like it was a much longer process of coming to you know getting sober and 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 stuff like that but like so i don't think that it's necessarily like in the final seconds of his life he suddenly realized that he had been bad raymond but i like the idea that in spite of everything we don't know if like the everything in this context is things that happened to him or things that he did a combination of both that in spite of all of that you're still welcome to mm -hmm. to to the earth and to life which is kind of all you can ask for it's not a great final thought but i think it's a great final thought it's a final thought it's a final thought yeah. i had two final thoughts that came up while you were you're sharing your final thought my first final thought was i wonder what marianne burke or his children or like the other people in his life think of when they read this poem i wonder how they respond to it my second final thought was that I was really appreciative of the fact that we do a little bit of background. You know, before this poem, you know, in early episodes, it was more that like it helped me, you know, just have more context and share that context with other people. And so they can also learn about poets while we're, we're talking about their poetry. But I think today reading the biography was like critical to me engaging with this poem. I, yeah. I could have engaged with it either way, but yeah, it like added a very critical layer for me. Yeah, the the backgrounds don't always change the meaning of the poem, but in this right. in this case, for for me as well, it it changes it. It changes it slightly. I mean, it doesn't change the way it applies to my life, but it does change the way I think about it in some ways. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that was yeah. That was our podcast. It we was. Tried. We poetry.
You haven't said that in a while. Raymond Carver's biography was compiled from the New York Times, The Guardian, HistoryLink.org, and Poetry Foundation. All links will be available in the show notes. Our music is from Less FM. Do you like what you heard? Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends and enemies and subscribe so you know when each new episode drops. For questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a poem you'd like for us to discuss, hit us up on Instagram or email us at wepoetried at gmail.com. That's W-E dot P-O-E dot T-R-I-E-D. If you want to keep hearing more episodes like this, you can support Poetry by subscribing to our Patreon linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See y'all next time. Bye. Bye.